0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Up Pretty much right where Pastor Cameron left off last week as we continue uh, going through the book of Colossians. I'm going to move this. All right, going through the book of Colossians, we're going to be starting in chapter 3, verse 1 today, and the title of the message is, Living as Those Made Alive in Christ. And the kind of the big idea, the big takeaway, what we're kind of moving towards is, that what I believe Paul is talking about here, is teaching us, and that what we have to receive from this passage of Scripture today is that we have been called to live in community well. right? We are a, a new creation, and this new creation doesn't mean that just we individually are different, though we absolutely are, but we have been brought into something wholly new, right? a new creation, a new humanity. Um, and, and so the, the kind of the theme of this morning is going to be unity in community. And because of who Christ is, because of what He's done, because we have died with Him and we have been raised with Him, things are different for us now than they were before, right? And so Paul tells us, he says, you know, why are things different now? Because you died. Right? For you died. Paul has been very clear that something significant has happened. All right, And as he says in his letters to the Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Right? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this idea of a new creation, of being uh uh, buried and raised with Christ, has, has, we've seen it throughout the, the book of Colossians. Um, and it, Cameron talked about it last week in chapter 2, 11, and 12. But I wanted to just to look at verse 20 is, uh, that Cameron talked about last week. He said, uh, Paul says, "...since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules?" Right? And he's saying, "Don't act like you're still living in the, the dominion of darkness. Right? You have been transferred into the kingdom of the sun." We saw that in chapter one, uh, I believe, verse 13. Right? We have a new citizenship in this new kingdom, and in this new kingdom, there's different rules and expectations. For example, you know, if I decided that I was going to move to England, right, I'm going to have to start following the rules of England, okay? For example, uh, over, over yonder, I've heard, I've never been there, someday, hopefully, uh, they drive on the left side of the road, okay? And I can't say, well, you know what, I've, I've always just driven on the right side of the road. It's just kind of, it's kind of who I am. I'm a right-side-of-the-road driver, you know, and I can't, I can't really change it right now. You know? You know, that is, we, I can't do that, right? Because not only is it not following the rules, but it's putting other lives around me in jeopardy, right? And so I have to drive on the left side of the road because I'm not in the U.S. In the, anymore. I am in England, right? And I have to abide by those English rules. Right? And so in a similar way, we have relinquished our rights as citizens in the domain of darkness. Right? And we are no longer living in the kingdom of the enemy. We now need to abide by the rules of our new kingdom, our new king, who is King Jesus. And so I think that is what Paul is coming to here in Colossians 3. He's been talking about some of these theological ideas, right? We've been buried with Christ and we've been raised with him. And now he's getting to some very specifics about what that looks like as we live it out as Christ followers. So we are going to read through our passage, Colossians 3, 1 through 14. uh, And then we're going to go kind of thought by thought as we teach through this expositionally. Colossians 3.1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And Paul has two things here, right? He says, set your hearts on things above and set your minds on things above, All right? And so the the focus Paul is communicating here is that our focus is supposed to be on the things above, on the godly things, on uh, on Christ. And he uses two Greek words here. Uh, the first one, set your hearts on, is the Greek word zeteo. And this means to devote serious effort, to realize one's desire for something, to strive for, to aim for. And so Paul is talking about Putting action in pursuing physically pursuing the things of God, and the, the second one is the word phreneo, uh, and this means to give careful consideration of something. Uh, here it's translated to set one's mind on, right? And so he's saying, you know, in our in our cognit- in our cognition, as we think about things, uh, we are supposed to put our minds on the things of God. And so Paul is saying two things. There should be a physical, an active pursuit of the things of God in our lives. And there should also be a mental reorientation to the things of God. He's saying because we've been buried and raised with Christ, all of our actions and all of our thoughts should be on or towards the kingdom or through the filter of the kingdom of God. Our alignment is different than it was before. We're no longer supposed to align ourselves with the things of the fall. And here he says, not on earthly things. Uh, this doesn't mean that the earth is bad. It doesn't mean the physical is bad. Graham uh, talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think he talked, uh, just touched on Gnosticism, this idea that the physical is bad and the spiritual is good. right? And Paul's saying, no, that's, that's not true. right? Yes, there's, there's corruption in the fall right and it has corrupted the, the earthly things the and that is what Paul is saying don't put your attention on the the things of the fall the things that, that bring death the things for which the wrath of God is coming right what we're supposed to do is to align ourselves with the things of God right and because when we align ourselves and put our focus on in our activities towards the things of, of or the earthly things Right? we are we're actually becoming conduits of death we are bringing corruption and sin right into the world we're sowing seeds of death we're reaping the fruit of destruction in the the earthly sinful nature it brings division and that's as we as we go on and we look at Paul's uh, two vice list that, uh, that he has in starting in verse five is it's the all these sinful things they bring division and they break apart community they are corrupt and they are bringing about and that is why the the wrath of God is coming and so since we're not supposed to look at that we should look at the opposite of that the and we should look towards unity and look towards oneness and Jesus, in uh, the Gospel of John, in chapter 17, has something pretty significant to say about oneness and about unity. All right, And this was his prayer um, before uh, going to the cross, and uh, he's here he's praying uh, for his disciples, or with his disciples. He's saying, My prayer is not for them, talking about the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And that is each and every one of us, every believer on the face of the earth, right? We are uh, here, and we believe because the apostles uh, bore witness of the resurrection, and we, uh, and they passed on that message on and on and on, and we now get to pass that message on to others. All right. Uh, so my prayer is for everyone. So prayers for everyone that all of them, each and every one of us, all the Christians on the face of the earth may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So powerful. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. That is Jesus' desire for the church, that we would be in complete unity. And isn't this interesting, what happens when we're in complete unity? Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I think that is amazing right Jesus's prayer that everybody would be in unity and he reveals this kingdom distinctive of oneness among the the body of Christ and sin brings disunity sin brings separation sin brings division and Jesus and Paul in Colossians and many of and most of his other epistles I would claim, uh, is calling us to live in this new community in unity with one another. And if we do that, if we are actively able to live in unity together, the the outcome is that the world will know that you sent me and have loved them. Right? When we, as a body of Christ, are in unity, we are a witness and a testimony of Jesus and the Father's love for everyone. And our unity, it's a, it's a living example of the gospel. Good. Okay, so we were, we were called to, to live in unity, and I just think that it, it is so incredibly important for us to understand what this unity looks like. And so Paul... Here in Colossians 3, verse 5, uh, says, "...put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived." And so now Paul is giving very specific actions and thought processes that are part of the earthly sinful nature and that therefore must be removed from the lives of the Christ follower, right? And this is his first vice list, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, right? And he says, Therefore, we see it right there, right? Since you died in Christ, that he's saying, because you are have died in Christ, you have been raised to life. Be, be, raised to life, excuse me. And since you have this great eternal hope, right? And he, we see that in in verse four, that when Jesus returns, that we will be with Him in glory. And In chapter 1, Paul talks about this, this future hope that we as Christ followers are holding on to. right? Since we have this eternal hope, since we have died and been raised with Christ, because of these things, put to death anything that belongs to your earthly nature. Stop anything and everything that would bring division in the community and would bring division with you and God. He's saying don't allow these things to to linger in your life. Don't toy with them. Don't compartmentalize the the things of, of the earth, the things of the fall, the things that bring corruption, right? And and just say, oh, "I'm just going to toy with it or that's just how the world works and you can't get rid of that completely, right? That's just I'm just human. That's all there is to it, right?" No, Paul is saying put to death. Stop it completely. Right? Anything that is contrary to the life of Christ, that is contrary to, to the expectations that Christ gives us, will bring corruption and destruction. We can't get away with it. There is no sin that is ineffective. Right? There is no sin that doesn't matter, that doesn't make a difference. It is bad. Right? It brings death and corruption. It's the thing for which Jesus is coming to bring judgment. And we, we can see a great picture of this. All right, I think there's a pretty great picture of this. Um, in, the, in, in Star Wars, uh, there is a character by the name of Anakin. All right? Anakin Skywalker, uh, he ends up going bad, turning to the dark side, and becoming Darth Vader. All right? And Anakin, as we see in, in the prequels, was corrupted by the dark side of the Force. Right? And we see in him all this anger and this pride and this selfishness, and he just allows it to, to run unchecked. And eventually, all this, we'll call it sinfulness, right, uh, leads him to destroy everything that he loved, the things that he was trying so hard to hold on to. Right? And it didn't just affect him. Right? It affected him and his wife and his kids and... Alderaan, the whole galaxy was affected because Anakin allowed himself to to follow the, the the dark side, as they say. All right, and the Jedi Code warned him about attachments. It warned him about these things. And Yoda even said, um, "I'm going to do my best, Yoda. <clears throat> Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. That's that's my best, Yoda. Thank you." Thank you. <laughs> so that's that's the only thing anybody will remember from today's message. I'm not sure what he talked about, but <laughs> did a mean Yoda. Um, and so right, and so Yoda warns him about these things that, that Paul would call sin and suffering. That the Star Wars universe calls the dark side, right? It, and it didn't just destroy Anakin, right? It, like I said, it destroyed Padme and his kids and all the whole galaxy. And so Paul warns us here, he's like, do you want to turn out like Anakin? You know, do you want to destroy everything that is good and beautiful in your life, right? We see where sin brings us. It destroys yourself and it destroys everything around you. So you should put to death everything that leads to the dark side, everything that is connected to that earthly nature, All right, and if Anakin would have listened uh, to Yoda uh, or to Paul—Paul—I'm not putting Yoda and Paul on the same level. All right, if Anakin would have listened, it would have been a very, very different story. Uh, All right, we got to get off the Star Wars. That—that—that went a little off a little bit there. But you get what I'm saying, right? He just let himself enter into sin and thought, well, it's just—I need to do this. He justified it in his own life. And it just brought destruction. And Jesus teaches something similar in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. He's uh, specifically talking about adultery, but he says, you know, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better to go into uh, eternity missing an eye, right? And he's saying, so anything, anything that is leading you astray, anything that is distracting you from the kingdom of God, get rid of it. Paul says, put it all together. To death. Don't allow these things to lurk in your life anymore. It's because of these things that the wrath of God is coming, right? And, and Paul is talking about this final judgment. When Jesus comes back, he comes back and he's, we are going to appear with him in glory, praise God, but he will once and all defeat sin and death, right? He is going to bring judgment separating the godly from the ungodly. He's going to bring about a new heaven and a new earth. And all of this wrath and judgment is in response to sin. It's an eradication of sin. And sin, which brings separation from God. And when we allow sin to live in our lives, it brings separation from us and each other, from one another. And so why would we want to toy with something or why would we allow to linger in our lives something and the very thing that brings death and destruction and corruption into our lives and into our communities, into our uh, this good creation that God has placed us in? And as I, I mentioned with Anakin sin can't be just an isolated individualistic issue sin absolutely affects the person right but it also affects the family it affects the community we're sowing that in right and and it's just so important to to remember that every time sin enters our lives any time we allow sin in it brings destruction sin always destroys something right and i talk to a, a lot of guys who struggle with looking at, at pornography and sometimes it's like oh well you know it's not it's not a big deal it's just me right it's just affecting me and yeah it's bad i got to stop it but it doesn't just affect them right it affects them and it affects their, their spouse or their future spouse, even. If you're not married, it still is going to affect that. It affects how you see women. It affects how you live in the community. It affects those uh, people that you are, are, are looking at that have been trapped in that systemic situation. Right? It is bad through and through, and it affects much, much more than just yourself. And it's the same way with all sin. We can't say, oh, it doesn't, it's not hurting anybody else. Because the reality is that sin always destroys. And so in verse 8, we get to Paul's second vice list. He says, But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator." And so, where is it from your lips? Right there in verse eight it says, uh, you know, get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And I believe Paul is here talking about community. And so, and he's not just saying remove filthy language from your lips, and also remove anger and rage. I think all of these things uh, are connected to from your lips. And so, in community language, we're saying he's not saying uh, don't be angry which is good, but in this context, when you're communicating with other people in the community, don't communicate through anger. Don't communicate out of rage and malice. right? And he's talking about how we connect and communicate with each other. Don't lie to each other. right? Since you have taken off, or in the ESV it says, you have put off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed. Right, And he's saying, don't do it anymore. It's not who you are. Right, These things, it's not who you are anymore. And for Paul, we see here that it's not a, a, a salvation issue. Uh, in One commentary uh, said that the act of taking off the old humanity is already an accomplished fact. And Paul is pointing instead to the implications of that act. Right? he's saying you have already taken off the old thing right you are a new creation right if I if we use that example from from the the, the intro right that if I'm in England I'm already in England right now I'm there solidly in England now it's just time to start acting like it right each one of us is Christ followers because we have uh, chosen to submit ourselves to Christ to 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 believe in him as our Lord and Savior, we have been saved, right? And now Paul is saying, because you're saved, it is time to start acting like it, because you're in a new place. You're in a new kingdom now. And when we read this uh, through our Western individualistic lens, we miss this big picture that, that Paul is painting, and he's saying, yeah, Absolutely, we have individually become a new creation. But I think more importantly—maybe that's a stretch—equally as importantly, we have been brought into God's new creation, and God's new creation is a new community, right? It is a new humanity. Uh, There, I saw uh, Eugene Peterson. um, uh, He said on Facebook, he said, "The the church is is a, a colony of heaven in a kingdom of death." I was like, oh, that's really good. Good job, Eugene Peterson. You know, we are a, a colony uh, of heaven. And when I think of colony, you know, I think of there's a there's a blacksmith, right? And there's, I don't know why, because I like Lord of the Rings. Are there blacksmiths in Lord of the Rings? I don't know. Anyway, so in, there's a, a blacksmith, and there's the, the, all these people have different roles. That's what I'm trying to say. The, the siding salesman, very important. There's the There's the general store guy. Nels? <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, and so, and everybody in the colony does their part and has an important part, right? But they are not all the same. Right? But they're all together. They're all one community, and we need to remember that as a church, we are in a community. Paul kind of talks about this once in a while. He uses the image of the body, right? You know, somebody's a hand, somebody's a foot, somebody's an eye, somebody's a nose. Every part is important, but every part is different, right? And we, our old self, when we when we live in our old, out of our old nature, that stuff and that garbage brings division in the colony. It brings division in the community, right? And we are called to be one body. And I think we see the the culmination of Paul's discussion of this new creation in verse 11, where he says, here in the new creation, there is no Gentile or Jew. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised, <laughs> barbarian, scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Right? And we see in this verse that it kind of shows that Paul's not just talking about individualism, but he's talking about the upbuilding of the community of God's people. right He's saying that there are that the that, uh, that racial and cultural, socioeconomic or intellectual divisions do not exist in the new humanity that God is making. And as part of the the body of Christ, being in unity with one another is absolutely one of our top priorities. We just looked at at Jesus' prayer, this prayer for unity in those who believe in Him, and it is a prerequisite of that this, this unity is a, is a prerequisite to our evangelism, or us fulfilling our mission to reveal Christ, to bear witness of Jesus' death and resurrection. All right, and we look forward to Christ's return when this great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, will stand before the throne of God, before the Lamb. Right? This diversity of, of nations and cultures, this diversity of people, and the unity of, of the Holy Spirit is the hallmark of the church. Right? It's, it's what we are. You know, the we uh, we are just one you know one part of the church, but the church globally, right? It looks so diverse. Right, and uh, it's interesting uh, t- in taking this class that the that the the global South, uh, south of the equator, is the majority of the church now. Right, and so mo- it's like some crazy number, like 70% of all Christians live south of the equator. Right, in Africa, in South America, in Southeast Asia. Right, these are the new centers of Christianity. Right, and it's this beautiful. Uh, diversity uh, is the Church of Christ, but it's our unity is also important. It's unity in diversity. right? And, and Paul's saying that Gentile or Jew uh, doesn't matter. He's not saying that it doesn't matter because Paul was a Jewish guy. He honored and he was passionate about his, his Jewish heritage, right? and he valued it. But he very clearly said, you certainly do not need to become Jewish to be a Christian. Right? Christianity is translated in all these different cultures. And that is good. And it's okay that it looks different in different cultures. Because we're all uh, one body. right? We're all calling on one Savior. There is one baptism. So i got to move on. i got to finish here. So in verse 12, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Right. And here we have the counterpart to the prohibitions uh, that we found in verses 5 through 11. Paul has very clearly shown what is not supposed to happen in the community of God, and here is what this community of unity is supposed to look like. What will continue to promote this unity, paving the way for Christian witness, right? He's saying, you've taken off your old clothes, right? But now put on compassion, put on kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. And this... Can be super easy, or at least easier, with people that we like, or that with people that are like us, All right, But this gets much more difficult when we're talking about people that we don't like, right? People uh, that uh, are strange. I know you're saying, that are, Mark, are there strange people in the church? Yes. If you look long enough and hard enough, you could find you could find somebody. Um anyway, you know it's harder with people that are different from us, you know uh, you know people that have slighted us, people that have offended us, people that have betrayed us. but that but Paul doesn't give us caveats here. He's talking about how we live in community. and he's saying to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, we're supposed to bear with one another and to forgive one another. This is what our life needs to look like as Christ followers. And we don't want to just use Christ as eternal fire insurance. We want to be conduits of the kingdom life into our world right now. And just as Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we bring the kingdom, right? not by just being good hermits, Right? by being holy or righteous, isolated individuals, but we bring the kingdom even more effectively by being loving, compassionate, humble citizens of the community of God, being part of a community of believers. And as we see in the life of Jesus and in the life of Paul and so many Christian leaders and Christians throughout history, love involves sacrifice. It always involves sacrifice, and we are called uh, to take on the shape of the cross. We are called to cruciformity, as they say in my theology classes, right? That we are called to take on the the shape of the cross and and follow Jesus, and that means sacrifice. And this can look different uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, a friend of mine from Grand Rapids, this nice uh, girl, she used to go to. Church in at Nichols Road, and now lives in Grand Rapids. Um, she went to a predominantly African American service after uh, the the shootings of Philando Castile and Alton Sterling, to just to be there and to, to support, right, to to listen and to to grieve with that community, to try to understand. Right, she didn't come in with oh, here's the answers and here's my opinions, right? She just came to, to support her brothers and sisters who are struggling in a time of difficulty, right? And we may have different opinions on on this whole situation. It is important conversations that, that need to happen. But most of all, right, she just says, you know, it's not about my opinion on this, I just want to be here, because you are my brothers, my sisters, and I want to support you. And I just was, that really was powerful to me, right? That she just wanted to be with them and support that community in that time. Right? Uh, Or maybe it means joining a small group, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think our our human nature is to to kind of fall back into our own safe place, right? But we, uh, that's not what we get to do, right? We are called to, to be we're one community and we want to love uh, the the vast diversity of the church and, and beyond of course um, so yeah thank you so in verse 13 this is where we're ending uh, Paul calls Christ followers to bear with each other and to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven them and this is this is tough because we're humans with free will, because we still have this propensity towards sin, right? Because sometimes we're slow to take off our old clothes and put on the new, there is going to be need for us to bear with one another and to forgive one another. There will be offense in the church. There will be offense, in our families, there will be offense in our relationships, but how we deal with it really is a sign of our faith in Christ, is a a witness to the reality of Jesus. And this stuff is hard, but luckily we don't have to do it on our own. We have been empowered by the Holy Spirit you know and we are being transformed more and more into his image i love i love that in colossians 318 as we behold uh, the glory of god we are being transformed right we don't have to you know Force ourselves. We don't have to make this transformation happen. It is the, it is the Holy Spirit, and we are just uh, working with the Holy Spirit and saying, "Yes, Lord, change me," and choosing to live out of this new man, even when it is difficult, even when it is painful. So, uh, yeah. So today, let's just consider, you know, how do we support community? How do we live well in community? And ask the Lord to to help us to take off this stuff from the earthly nature, to put on compassion, humility, love, bearing with one another, and forgiveness. All right, will you stand with me as we close? And we're just going to close in prayer. Father God, we love you. And we just thank you for this community that you have uh, placed us into, Father God. Lord, and I just pray that you would just transform each and every one of us, God, that you would help us to... uh, to set our minds on, and to set our hearts on You and the things of the kingdom. God, and that You would just help us to take off and put to death everything that would bring separation and corruption and death. Lord, help us to be in unity and to bear witness of You in all of our words, thoughts, and actions. In Your name we pray. Amen.